making disciples. So I invite you to join me in your copy of God's Word. Turn to the 28th chapter of Matthew. There we'll find our reading for the morning beginning at the 18th verse. Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning at the 18th verse. We find there the words of our Savior. It's in the context where our Savior has just defeated death and the grave. For he was crucified on the cross, was buried in a tomb, but he resurrected after three days. And now he's gathered his disciples in a disclosed location on a hill. And there are some instructions that he gives to them then and still remains for us now. There in Matthew, the 28th chapter. Hear the words of our Savior beginning at the 18th verse. And Jesus came and said to them, them are the disciples who he called to meet him there, says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, Christ says, observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me go ahead and give you that assurance one more time. Latter, latter part of verse 20, Christ says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. With the help of the Holy Spirit, during our time together, we'd like to look at God's Word with this thought in our minds, this challenge to our lives, this commandment that He's given us. We want to look at this text with this thought in our minds, and that is making disciples. Can you say that for me? Making disciples. This is what God has called us to do and to be as His witnesses. We are called to make disciples. Why don't you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we do thank you. Because we know all blessings and honor and glory are to you. You are so good to us. Father, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives that even when we didn't know you, you loved us enough to care for us and bring us to a point that we could know you. Thank you. Thank you, Christ, for loving us enough to give your life for us, that you would transform our lives. And thank you for empowering us with your spirit that you might use us to transform the lives of others. Now, please speak to us through your word. May your word find our hearts and our minds as receptive soil. That your word might, might develop roots in our lives and we might produce fruit for your glory. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember when it happened, when someone decided to not be selfish, but were so concerned for me that they chose to help me get out of trouble. I remember because it was of no benefit to them, but they cared enough for me to enter into my circumstance when I was in a dark place, 
And they reached out a hand to help me from the darkness into the light. Perhaps you too can recall that person, that individual who cared enough about you in light of all that God had done for them, that they were willing to reach out and lend you the helping hand that you so desperately needed. See, I'm, I'm a recipient of godly people. Not, not perfect people, but godly people who were pursuing the path that God laid before them and they made a personal investment in my spiritual journey. I hope you hear me because just as God has navigated the pathway of others to make a difference and an impact in your life, God wants to use you. He wants to use me to make a difference and impact in the lives of someone else. But just in case you think that I'm making all this up or that is just exclusive to my own um, journey, let me check for a moment. Has God used anyone to bless you? I got two people, three people. God, God, has God used anyone to tell you that there was a better way to live? Has God used anyone to tell you that there's a greater hope, that you didn't have to go down a dark road or stay in the midst of your own personal storm? Has God used somebody in your life to say there is a better way and his name is Jesus? We were just singing it. The deliverance has a name and his name is His name is Jesus. This is the call. This is the commission that God puts forth to his disciples. He begins by making a declaration before he gives the command. Notice the text. He makes the declaration that that we as individuals should not underestimate the impact of taking an initiative because as believers, we live under an authority. Come on, get with me real quick, quick, because you heard him say it. Christ says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Let me park here for a moment, because before we can dive into making disciples, we have to understand as believers that God has empowered us with the ability to do what he's called us to do, because our Lord, Jesus Christ, has all authority. Man, I thought I was in a church where people really understood the blessing that that is. Sonia, let me say it again, maybe a different way so they'll get it, right? That Jesus Christ, after conquering death, hell, and the grave, Jesus, our Savior, after going through a kangaroo court, being charged um, erroneously, and yet still giving his life for you and I, after they thought he was dead because they put him in the grave, three days later he came up with all power in his hands, and he declared to those who believe in him, who trust in him, who pledge their faith in him, he said, I have all authority. Mm, You still didn't get it here. Let me try again. Uh, He doesn't have some authority, Greg. He has all authority. Not, not just Sunday morning authority. No, no. Not, not our Lord. Our Lord has all authority. Which means then that if our Savior has all authority, then no one else has any. 
I'm going to work for a moment here. I want you to get this. I want this to seep down into your spirit and into your soul to understand the Lord that we serve, that our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, has authority over everything. Amen. Now, let me tell you why that's good news. That means that no matter what setting that you may find yourself in, no matter what season you may be going through, it may be storming in your life like it's storming outside. We have a Savior who can quiet the storm. He has all authority. He doesn't just have authority when, when people acknowledge him. Let me tell you about our God. He has so much authority that he can invade your space and turn your attention to him, transform your life to as you look at your life now and compare it to how it's been, and you realize that it was only God who could have done what he's done in your life. He has, you don't get it in a little bit, he has all authority. Randy, I'd hang there for long if I had time, but I know the game is, no, no, no. The game is about to start. I know for some of you right now, you're thinking, yeah, the game is about to start. But let me go ahead and press it for a minute because Christ says he has all authority, declares he has all authority, which means he has the ability to change things. He has the ability to transform. He has the ability. Let me tell you how good our Savior is. All authority means that even if death came in and tried to rob you of your hope, your joy, your peace, or even your life, he has a kind of authority to reverse death, give you your life back give you hope, and give you joy. That's somebody here who knows it because the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord, and if he's redeemed you in any way, you ought to make some noise and say so, that I am a living testimony that he has all authority. When enemies tried to cancel me, Christ stepped in in my situation and so he had all authority. He has authority to give you peace. He has authority to protect you. He has authority to keep you. And even when you find yourself going through, he has authority to go through it with you and get you to the other side. All right, I'm done now. I'm getting myself excited already. But Heather, he has all authority over sickness and disease. Our God has authority over troubled and a trying mind. God, God has all authority. When the Depression comes in and you call on the name of Jesus. He has authority to breathe into you new life. I'm just trying to help you understand something. He has all authority. And Charlie, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to do obediently what our Savior has commanded that we do, Sally, we do it under the knowledge and understanding that there is nothing greater than our Savior's power, and he's able to call the shots to transform things because he has all authority. I, I told you at 2 o'clock something was going to happen today, 2, two, two o'clock. It, it's, it's on my calendar. I know it's on yours. It's on my calendar. I, I know the 49ers and the Eagles are... Are gonna have a contest on the field to play. There, there they will. They'll have a contest on the field to play, and these these guys are big, athletic guys. I I know it, Greg. I don't know who you're pulling for, but I but I know I I know that they're that they're, they're gonna be there. They're gonna be on the field to play, and and I know some of y'all 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 not stuck there. You you're more of a Bengals and and Kansas City Chiefs uh, game. I I understand. I'm gonna get you out in time. I think depends on if you get this while I'm saying it. Uh, I'll see when I'm get you out. It's raining outside, so there's no no rush anyway. You, you can just go ahead and hang here and be dry. But 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 I noticed something 
on the field of play, no matter how strong those guys are, no matter how agile and athletic they may be, Scott, no matter how, how fast they can run or how hard they can hit, they don't, they don't have the final authority on the field. I know they have the helmets and they have the jerseys and they have the numbers. I, I know they have the coach on the sideline, but I've been watching the game long enough to know that they don't have the authority on the field. You see, there's some other guys on the field, some guys and some ladies on the field, and they got these striped out uniforms, black and white. They don't have a helmet and they don't have a shoulder pads, but they got a whistle. And with that whistle, they can blow that whistle and they can kick somebody out of the game. They can bring somebody in the game. They can pause the game and they can stop the game because they have authority on the field. All right, I'm done now with this thing. I just got to get you to understand something about our Lord. I get excited about it because our God has all authority that he calls the shots. He says when things are going to go. And if you place your trust and your faith in him, get this, you get to live under his authority. But part of living under his authority is being willing to live under his leadership and rule. You see, there, there's something about being a disciple. See, a disciple is one who follows Christ. Not just someone who has a knowledge of Christ. Not just someone who has a knowledge of how church works or how we talk church in these. That, that's, a, that's a language, y'all. That's a language. They, uh, they, they, they have a relationship, Austin, with Christ. They, they follow him, which means when he says it, we do it. And what he says to the body of Christ, collectively, to every believer individually, is that we have to get on mission, and our mission is to make disciples. Just as God used someone to come into our lives and introduce us to the love of Christ, we too have the responsibility, we're carrying the baton to stretch it out to someone else that they too might know of the love of Christ because we have accepted the challenge, the call. No, it's not even that. It's, it's a command that we make disciples. The late C.E. Matthews coined it this way. He says it's, it's every Christian job that we, we know that Christ has all authority. Then in line with Christ, we align our lives to do what he's called us to do, and that's make disciples. Discipleship is a developmental process whereby believers intentionally pass on to others what they know and have experienced and are learning so that others become more like Jesus. Um, let me say it again. Discipleship is not on our own terms. It's not doing things the way we want to do them when we feel like doing them. No, discipleship is a developmental process. It's, it's a process whereby believers, those of us who, who proclaim Christ as our Lord and Savior, where we intentionally pass on the faith to others. How do we do that? We tell them what we know. We tell them what we've experienced. We, we tell them what we are learning so that others might become more like Christ. If you're with us on Wednesday nights, we're, we're studying through the Gospel of John. And as we're studying through the Gospel of John on Wednesday nights at 645, what, what time I said? When, when, when is that? 
oh, I just want to make sure you knew so you didn't have an excuse not to be there. Oh, Wednesday night at 645, we're studying through the Gospel of John. And studying through the Gospel of John, we began to look at how Christ's impact of the lives of those he encountered. And as we were, we were looking at those he encountered, first we saw John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he looked at him, he pointed, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I raised John the Baptist up because he shows us how we ought to make disciples. We don't make little mini-me's when we make disciples. We don't make individuals to look like us. No, we make disciples by pointing them to Jesus Christ. We let them know that this is Jesus who saves our souls. And when John the Baptist said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God, Andrew, being one of his disciples, heard the message and he began to follow Jesus. When Andrew started following Jesus, he then left, realized that Jesus was who he is, the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one. He left, went and found his brother Peter and drug his, no, let me say it this way, he compelled his brother Peter to come and meet Jesus. Why? Because he cared enough about his brother to let him know that the blessing that he got is the same one that his brother could receive. Who do you care for that much? Because when we're all to make disciples, the first place we're all to start is with the individuals that God has placed us in proximity to. He's calling us to make disciples, and we do that. How do I make a disciple? Well, we do that by, by, by keeping Jesus as the focus of all our activities. I hope you get this, that, that we, we, we keep Jesus central so that when you see the act and move of Jesus on somebody else's life, you get to call attention to Jesus because they may not realize how they made it the way they made it. Let me go ahead and work for a moment here. Because some of us don't always realize that it was God's blessing on our life that enabled us to make it through this life. There's some pitfalls and some challenges that we've been in, but we needed somebody else to let us know the reason you're still here and the reason you made it and the reason you got out of that wasn't because you were so smart. It wasn't because of how you were so good. No, none of us are really all that good. But it's because God had mercy upon you. God has grace upon you. And every now and then we need somebody else to tell us that's God working in your life. We got to keep Jesus, keep Jesus focused, keep, keep our focus on Jesus, keep Jesus as the focus of all our activities. That means we have to make Christ's agenda our agenda. You see, the call of the commission is to Christ followers to go and get so others could come and see. That we must be willing to go and compel others. Is that churchy language? Let me say it this way then. We need to go and convince others of the reality of Jesus Christ. It's amazing that we are quickly able to communicate everything else to people. We're quickly able to communicate with them when our team wins, and we don't communicate too much when they lose, but we communicate when our teams win. We communicate with people when there's a sale at the store. We, we communicate, well, some of y'all, I'm trying not to look at nobody right now, Shannon, because they think I'm talking about them, but, but, but we communicate all kinds of things to everyone through social media, through the phone, through text, through email, through our very words. We communicate everything, but how often do we communicate the best thing 
Angelo, if Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened in your life, then you ought to be willing to communicate it to the world, everybody you meet, so when they see you, they already know something about you. They may not know where you work. They may not know where you live. They may not know your favorite meal. But one thing they ought to know without anything else, they ought to know that you are a child of God by the way you live. They ought to know you are a child of God by the way you maneuver life. How many people would know Jesus because they know you. See, when he says make disciples, uh, go and make disciples, the emphasis is on making disciples, which means the text really reads, as you go, make disciples. It means as, as you go to work, you understand that your work, your job is only a platform to help other believers know who Jesus is. It's as you go to school, that that your your, your matriculating atmosphere is a platform for others to know what a true student who believes in Christ looks like. As you go uh, to work out in your neighborhood or work work in your community, it's so that others might be able to see who Christ looks like when they see you. And notice this. He says we don't have any editorial authority on how we make disciples. He says, you make disciples of all nations. Somebody say all nations. Mm. So, so the Christ, Christ our Savior, who has all authority, says you ought to make disciples of all nations. This word nations is where we get our word ethnicity from. In the Greek, is the ethnos. It, it is all people groups, all languages. Oh, let me park for a moment. That means that God doesn't intend for us to make disciples of only people who look like us people who look in your community, or people who look like they go to church. No, no, our goal, our command, our commission is to make disciples of everyone that we encounter, whether or not they've grown up in church or never been in church, that we make disciples, and that means we come alongside their lives. We love them as Christ has loved us, and when they find out that we love them as Christ has loved us, then we're able to point them to the love of Christ. And the issue and the obstacle that many people have of making disciples is not because we don't know how to make disciples. I wonder perhaps it's because we don't always live as disciples. That when people see our lives, they don't see any semblance of someone who's walking with Christ. See, the distinction between somebody who knows about Christ and someone who has a relationship with Christ is that a relationship with Christ rubs off on you. You start to look more and more like Christ. So we're called to keep our focus on Jesus. Understand that this is not a selective ministry. It's not only mandated to those who stand in the pulpit. It's not mandated to those who have offices in the church. It is expected of every believer who has been gripped by the grace of God that you would share in the blessing. And just as God used somebody else to come into your life to teach you the grace and love of God, you then would use your life to teach somebody else. He says to, to teach them. But before we got to teach them, he says, you should go all nations, and he says, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded unto you. Don't, don't miss this. 
that when we make our agenda Christ's agenda, when we keep Jesus the focus of all of our activities, we're leading people to be immersed in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That he wants to use your life so you can shine your light to others. That no matter how dark it may be, your light continues to shine. That they could see that there is something different when you live for God. When you give your life to him. That there's something different about your life. But he needs us. He wants us. He commands us to shine our lights. So he's called us to make disciples and to baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is that, is that public confession that I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I told you to pray with me. I told you to pray with me because what we wanted to see was that God would move in the hearts of somebody who said, yes, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I have yet to be baptized. I haven't been baptized just yet. And so I, I, because I've accepted my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm ready to take that next step to be baptized. Now, I want to say, I'm tempted to say, Brother Al, you're going to get wet anyway when you walk outside. <laughs> but let me go ahead and we'll keep this thing spiritual. Here, here's the reality. The reality is that God has blessed the church. Family. We have everything you need to make that next step solidify, to officially declare to the entire congregation and declare to the world that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Whatever you need, we have. You need a blow dryer, we got that. You need clothes to wear, we have that. We have a t-shirt just for you. In other words, there are no excuses. All you have to do is say, yes, I'm ready to take that step. I'm ready to go in obedience to say, I love the Lord enough to, to confess to others that I will be baptized in his name. There are some already. They're moving, getting ready to go to the baptistry. God bless you all. God bless Give them a hand. Give them a hand. And you can make that same decision because part of being a disciple, in order to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. And being a disciple means I know Christ personally as my Lord and Savior. And the, 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 what demonstrates my love for him is that I follow his commandments. And he commands us when he accepts him that we will be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we keep Jesus as our focus. And when we do that, we're doing what he's called us to do. And that's to make disciples. This past two weeks has been a week of transitions. Some of you are, are aware of how many of our senior saints now have transitioned into eternity to be with the Lord. We have uh, celebrated their lives in their, in their memorial services. And it, it, without fail... Um, just this past Saturday, we, we celebrated the life of Brother Norman, and we were praying for, for Zerline during this time. Uh, uh, and, and as we were talking about their lives and how God used their lives, it was, it was very interesting to see uh, a, a parallel in everyone's life that they were all known to lead others to Christ. That other people were impacted by their lives because they lived their lives for Christ, and they were willing to lead others to Christ. All of us who are saved by God's grace, are commanded by God to lead others to Christ. But here's the question that I, that, that I raise for our consideration. Just as they stood before God, we too will have to stand before God. And when we stand before the Lord at the end of our lives, will we be happy with what we have to present to him? That when we stand before him, We'll be happy to say, God, I led this person to Christ. I led my co-worker to you. I, I led my children to you. We'll be happy to share with God who our lives impacted that they might know of him 
and learn to live their lives for him. Listen, God has called us to lead others to him, to make intentional deposits in the lives of others, to teach others by modeling for them and to teach them all. You know that he said that? He said, and teach them all that I have commanded you. Let me tell you how that looks in your home. Let me tell you how that looks on your job. Let me tell you how that looks in your school. Let me tell you how that looks when you're teaching people all that Christ has commanded you. Well, let me check for a moment. Um, all believers, would you just raise your hands for me? I want to make sure I'm talking to people who believe. Okay, okay, I got some believers in here. Okay, so, so, so then you have a command then to teach people all. Wait a minute, pastor. I don't know all. Uh, well, but you do know Jesus. And so you teach them Jesus. And as Jesus has has commanded your life and navigate your life, then you teach them through your life. But you got to make sure you wear your sign. Okay? T tell your neighbor, wear your sign. No, no, no. You didn't tell them like you know. T tell them, wear, wear your sign. You have to make sure you wear your sign. Anytime you go and teach others what Christ has said, make sure you wear your sign. You know what your sign reads, don't you? You, 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 know, you? you know what it reads, right? It reads, work in progress. So when they see your life, you just tell them, listen, I'm saved just like you're saved, and I'm a work in progress, that God is still working on me. He says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, the text says, Realize, see. He says, behold, I am with you always. Saints of God, this is why we should be bold to share with others. Because we're not sharing with them by ourselves. This is why we shouldn't have a problem letting others know who we believe in and why we believe in them. Because we're not sharing it by ourselves. Why? Because we know, we've learned, we've lived long enough to know that Christ is always with us. Look what he says. He says, behold, I'm with you always. That means you know Jesus is your all-sufficient assurance that he's, he's with you. He's with you at every stage and season of your life. And he said he would never leave you, which means you go forward in the power of his presence. Assured of his provisions, assured that he's already paved the way for you to make a gospel impact in someone else's life. In fact, I want to invite you to stand all over the building. Stand all over the building if you can. He's called us to make disciples. And as we go making, reaching, leading, and teaching, we do so with the assurance that he's with us. Christ is with us right now. And he's positioned you next to someone. Someone who may not know of his love the way you do. Someone who may not realize that through Christ there's forgiveness of our sins the way you do. But you have an opportunity to be obedient to the command of Christ. Because there's somebody right next to you who you can minister to. So right now, I just want to ask you to go ahead and have a conversation with your neighbor. 
See how you can pray with your neighbor. Just turn to your neighbor. And if they don't know Christ, then why don't you introduce them to Christ? And if they haven't been baptized, you tell them, I will walk with you. I will come down with you and celebrate with you that you are, have given your life to Jesus Christ. And you are going to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't hear you talking yet. Go ahead and talk to your neighbor. Go ahead and talk to your neighbor. Go ahead and talk to your neighbor. Uh, and then when they say yes and they're ready, then would you bring them forward? That they too, come on, I see you, come on, come on, make, make sure that they know this is a good chance to make a disciple. And when they say, yes, I want to be baptized, then you would follow right along with our Deacon Craig right there. He'll lead you to the baptistry where we could celebrate the decision that you made today, that you're stepping out in obedience to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Prayer partners, why don't you come on forth here? If you're, you're here, why don't you come on forth? Because decisions are being made in this place. And as you're making a decision to follow Christ, as you're making a decision to be a disciple of Christ, we want to celebrate that with you. I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and as we sing, I invite you to come. And if you're saying yes to the Lord, we want to celebrate that. If you're saying the day is the day, yes, I am going to be baptized in obedience to Christ, we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life as you become a disciple. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how you love us enough to call us out of darkness into the marvelous light. Now we ask, Father, that you would continue to work on the hearts and minds of your people. That on this Sunday, they don't leave out the same way. They, they, that they are making a decision to follow you. That they're saying yes to you. A relationship with you. Yes to a life with you. And they're demonstrating that in obedience. Through way of baptism. Because we believe in your death, burial, and your resurrection. And we accept you as our Lord and our Savior. Please bless these, your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing together, why don't you come? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.